0: Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, with my colleague, Mary Gambit. Mary, we have a terrific guest who's a physician leader, not just in the state of New Jersey, but across the country. Let's uh, kick the program off with uh, Dr. Jose Azar, Executive Vice President, Chief Quality Officer at Hackensack Meridian Health, where we do an awful lot of coaching and training of physician leaders. Jose, good to have you with us.
1: Good to be with you. Good morning.
0: You got it. Describe your role at HMH.
1: I am um, leading quality and safety for uh, our network. Uh, So basically my role is to help the uh, physicians and the nurses and everybody else uh, and work with the uh, executive team to uh, implement strategies that ensure that our patients receive meaningful healing experiences and we keep them safe from any harm.
0: Um, PS, go back and check out past episodes of Lessons in Leadership with the CEO, of HMH, Hackensack Meridian Health, Bob Garrett, talking a whole about a whole range of issues in leadership. Jose, I'm curious about this. You know that uh, our firm, Stand and Deliver, has been involved in the Hackensack Meridian Health Physician Leadership Academy for about five years now. We coach, develop, train, teach physician leaders. What is the difference in your mind between a great physician,
1: clinically, and a great physician
0: leader? What's the difference?
1: Yes, that's a very good question. And um, in, in just to make a point first, physicians don't get trained to be leaders. So even though they may be very smart and capable to diagnose a patient and understand the treatments, leadership, um, in my mind, is two things uh, for a physician. Number one is to understand the systems that support the delivery of care. So when that physician is sitting in the, in the clinic, They need, as a leader, they will need to also understand not just the patient in front of them, but all the systems that are in place to help them deliver the best care. The other part of leadership, by definition, leadership is taking somebody from where they are or an organization from where it is to where it needs to be. And so leadership is about change management. It is about learning how to influence people in a way that gets them to where we need them to be.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, Again, Jose makes a great point because I want to talk a little bit later about uh, uh, medical schools, the schools of medicine, and what they teach, what the curriculum is. And I've um, talked to the dean at the HMA School of Medicine about this, incorporating communication and leadership skills into the curriculum. That being said, part of leadership, Jose, as you well know, is also about being agile. Um, Jose is the author with two others, three authors of this book, Agile Implementation, a Model of for implementing evidence-based healthcare solutions into real-world practice to achieve sustainable change. Jose, the message in this book, and by the way, we'll include this in our Lessons in Leadership, Terrific Leadership book library. The message in this book is?
1: Thank you. So the message in this book is very simple. If you think of healthcare, it's two human beings, one, one human being taking care of another human being. And oftentimes we focus on the processes of care just in between. But unless we understand what drives those humans, what influences their decisions and their behaviors, whether it's their internal mindset, whether it's the systems that are around them, whether it's the networks that they interact with, we will not really be able to effectively change um, and, and drive improvement. And so that's the whole premise of the agile approach is to really understand the behaviors of humans, the networks where they get information and interact with, and the systems they support themselves with to induce um, um, change that's sustainable, um, and that's very effective. It really um, goes to a very simple uh, approach, which is co-design. Let's design care with the people who are delivering care. That's number one. Number two, be adaptive. So instead of spending your time planning, Let's actually try something, measure whether it's working or not, and keep refining it and um, adjusting it until we get to our goal. Jose makes a great point
0: because real life, real time, we had some technical issues with the segment with Jose and we had to be agile, doctor, in adapting our schedule and changing it so that we could figure out how to produce the program in a way that made sense. If we said, well, that's what we have on paper, That's the plan we have to stick with. Mary worked really hard as our executive producer. Well, you can't because the environment and the
1: circumstances changed. Do I have that right, Jose, before Mary jumps in? That's absolutely correct. You have to be adaptive. It's kind of like uh, investing in a uh, a shock absorbing system for a car, right? If you're going off-roading, you can't say, I'm going to go without suspensions. You, You need that. You need that flexibility. Yes. Go ahead, Mary, jump in. Yes.
3: Yeah, and I was just going to say one of the things that I was thinking about while you uh, while you were both talking is that it's funny, you need to be agile and you need to be prepared for the unexpected. But even though you don't know what's going to go awry, you need to almost have a backup plan, right? Like as that was happening, yeah. I said, okay, if then, what is going to happen? What are we going to do? So talk a little bit about that. How do you plan if you don't even know what you're planning for? Because that is a big part of being agile.
0: Yeah, how do you plan for a global pandemic, by the way?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Well, uh, I think we learned a lot during the pandemic, right? Um, it's it's a lot about feedback loops, um, uh, Mary. I think that's the, the key element. It's not to plan for, um, for very long, but really to plan the next few steps and really have um, uh, very rapid uh, and timely, um, effective feedback loops to be able to really understand um, where are you at and how do you adjust to that situation? Um, but Jose, when, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, when we designed this, we had two things in mind that we were designing it. And so that links back to the physician that's practicing versus the physician that's leading. We really looked at how does our body adapt, right? And so our nervous system has different uh, feedback loops. And that's really where we created a lot of the agile methodology is based on what what needs to be a reflex, and what needs to be a conscious decision in your, uh, in your planning. Um, the other part is when I'm thinking of, uh, about a patient, um, I approach it the same way, right? Um, we give a medication. You don't know whether it's going to work or not. You have to look at, you know, is it achieving its effect, and what kind of side effects or unintended effects it has. And so taking care of an organization um, and helping it improve in my mind, it's no different than taking care of a patient and helping the patient improve. You just have to understand that organism, which is the organization, and, uh, and really work with it to be able to be effective.
0: Hey, Jose, let me ask you this. Because Mary and I work with so many of your physicians and physician leaders within the organization, we've learned so much about how they come to be in leadership positions. But for you... Who were the primary influencers of your approach to leadership? I'm sure there, may, there must have been many. Yes. But who yes.
1: were the most significant and, and what did they teach you? Yeah, so probably my most uh, indirect influence was growing up um, uh, watching my father uh, lead uh, in the middle of a war. So talking about being adaptive, um, he had to really be very adaptive with his staffing, with um, um, you know, how, to, how to adapt to very unpredictable circumstances. I grew up in Lebanon. Um, I grew up in Beirut during the 80s. So um, that was during the civil war in Lebanon. And so um, I've learned to be adaptive by watching him, and I've learned to be adaptive by having to survive. So that was a big lesson for me, um, the other uh, um, was the partnership. So the authors that I um, authored this, uh, the books with, we all get together and we still do every week to talk about leadership principles, uh, to talk about uh, the agile approach. And so that constant feedback, that constant interaction and in, in exchange of ideas has really influenced um, us to be able to develop this uh, this methodology. And there are several books in the series, correct? Correct. There's two that are already published. Um, We're actually um, in the final stages of uh, submitting a book for publication. And I just started a book on agile leadership. Last question. I'm sure you didn't expect this, but we ask virtually everyone who comes on
0: Lessons in Leadership this challenging question. I keep asking, where is the one area that I need to improve as a leader? And there's more than one, clearly. But I try to focus on one at a time. For you, as strong as you are as a leader, as a physician leader in this very large, complex organization, what's one area where you say, you know what, there's an opportunity for me to get better as a leader here. What is it?
1: Yeah, I, um, as you said, I have many to improve. Um, actively right now, what I'm working on is really to, to be able to hone my message to the to the circumstance and the situation that I'm in. So, um, you know, if I'm in the boardroom, how do I message, um, you know, my my um, the 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 message I want to relay? How do I express that in a way that um, is effective in the boardroom? And how do I relay the same message, but in an effective way, for example, to um, my my physicians and nurses? And how do I relay the same message to uh, to my executive leadership team. So communication and messaging in a way that can really um, impact and and, um, and have a, um, um, an engaging effect on my audience based on the circumstance and based on the audience.
0: Mary and I often talk about it's about them, and we say, who's them? Yes, exactly. It's your, od- it's yes. your audience. And it's you my audience, to- exactly. Um, Dr. Jose Azar. Who is uh, Executive Vice President, Chief Quality Officer at Hackensack Meridian Health, where we have been honored to work um, as executive coaches in leadership development, particularly in the HMH Physician Leadership Academy. Dr. Azar, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for the opportunity. You got it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University. Prager Menes. Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. The North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey. The Helix, Fedway Associates Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856.
3: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com.
0: Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Atabato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, NJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Metal Lands Media, a print and digital business news network.
2: This is the Seton Hall story, one that comes to life every day on our campus. This is the place where great minds discover, innovate, collaborate, and find their true calling. This is the place where passion has a purpose, where learning inspires leading. The bonds we make, the values we teach, inspire our community to take heart and take action. This is Seton Hall University. This is what great minds can do.
4: Construction companies work at the heart of our communities. So do the operating engineers of Local 825, who build our roads and bridges and ensure the safe transmission of energy that keeps us on the move. Local 825 works with contractors as partners in quality, safety, and training. Our achievements stand as monuments to collaboration that will last for generations. This message has been brought to you by the members of Operating Engineers Local 825. Better building begins here.
2: Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia, more than water, resourcing the world.
0: All right, folks, we're fans of Lessons in Leadership, and we know you all are. You've been waiting for this segment. We've been teasing it for six months now. We haven't gotten to it. Mary, these little uh, mini seminars, are they Lessons in Leadership mini seminars?
3: They sure are. They're Lessons in Leadership mini seminars. For some of you, you may do Toastmasters. For Steve and I, we do uh, communication leadership seminars for a variety of organizations and nonprofits uh, throughout The region. And what we love to give to our viewers are just some tips and tools on key areas of leadership. We've talked about relationship building, but as Steve said, we have teased about meetings forever. And this could be a meeting at work. It could even be a meeting at home, right? Like you have like a family meeting. It could be you're on the PTO at your school. So we're going to give you some tips and tools in this mini seminar that hopefully will help you to lead better meetings and participate in more effective and efficient meetings.
0: What's this seminar called?
3: Oh No, Not Another Meeting.
0: What a great title.
3: I know. I don't know. It has a good ring to it. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. And what Steve is teasing to is that is a the name of a chapter actually in your first book, Lessons in Leadership. But we have also continued the discussion in Lessons in Leadership 2.0, The Tough Stuff.
0: But I'm uncomfortable plugging, really. I Always.
3: Am. Oh, can I add yeah. one other thing, though? If you're watching and you want all great articles and columns, Steve has, has written on this topic. Go to stand-deliver.com. Tons of free resources up there. So definitely check that out as well.
0: So Mary, I'm going to do something. I know you don't like my little placards that I got at a a little novelty store. They're
3: so 1980s, maybe even 1970s, the brown. You just need to put them against a paneled wall with maybe like strawberry shortcake or something.
0: (laughs) You know what? We've been together a lot of years, 23. I've never seen you come up with one prop and you criticize my props.
3: There's a reason why I criticize yours and do not have my own.
0: Hold on one second. You got that, Scarlin?
3: You could see it.
0: I survived another meeting that should have been an email. That's one prop. And I'm going to cover this one up, Mary. Hold on one second. I'm going to cover up the last word. Mary's like, (laughs) I'm not going to say what that last word is.
3: Yes, we could all use our imaginations.
0: All right, Mary. First off, the whole point of these Lessons in Leadership Mini-Seminars is to actually Give people information they can use. We talk to all sorts of people, all leaders of all stripes about their leadership, approach their lessons in leadership, the mistakes they've made as a leader, how they develop other leaders. But these many seminars are self-contained. Mary will make sure that they stand on the website on their own if you want to grab them. Oh, no, not another meeting. So, Mary, I think we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think there are eight keys.
2: Mm-hmm. And if
0: if uh, Sylvester can fit these on the graphic, yep. eight keys, Mary. First key, I'll set it up. I'll be the point guard with my mini basketball, more I'm gonna props. I'm going to it. Uh, we are not playing. <laughs> I
3: can't believe I just did that. <laughs> We're not
0: playing baseball. We are playing basketball. I'm the point guard. <laughs> Ready? Every meeting has to have one meeting facilitator leader. A client said to me recently in a coaching session, Steve, I said, who ran the meeting, Bob? And he goes, about three or four of us. I said, hold on one second. Who was the point guard? Who facilitated the meeting? We all did. My response, if a lot of people are running the meeting, no one is running the meeting. You say, Mary?
3: Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen, that's for sure. Yes, you want to have other people participate in the meeting. That's essential. No one wants to hear a meeting leader standing in front, talking, diarrhea of the mouth, just going on and on and on and on and on. But there has to be that one meeting leader that is able to throw the ball give somebody that opportunity, but most importantly, then cut that person off politely if they have to, and literally then take the ball back and then keep that meeting moving because we've all been in those meetings where somebody is just sucking up all the oxygen and then you just totally zone out.
0: Got it. Second key, and by the way, we're putting a lot of pressure on Sylvester on the editing end. Oh, he's to, got this. Uh, he Because he, because he's the best. By the way, thank you to Alvin, Frank, Sylvester behind the scenes. Um, Amy in close Scarlyn, captioning.
3: She's uh, awesome.
0: Amy, April on makeup. April, I know you're here. Don't worry. I was going to mention you, <laughs> you. didn't have to. April went like this. What about me? No, she didn't do that. And Scarlett behind the camera. Uh, it does take a great team. So, Mary, how about this one? Second one. N- no one likes this, including Mary. I say as a meeting leader, you must force engagement. How? Specific questions of specific people, not to, quote, call them out or embarrass them. But to invite them into the meeting, why don't more people do that, Mary?
3: Well, I think it's two reasons. Number one, it's because of their insecurity, their lack of awareness of knowing that it's their job as the meeting facilitator to ask a question, to invite someone in, so I think that's part of it. But then the other part is, say they are aware that they know they're supposed to do it, they feel like they might make that other person uncomfortable, right? How many times do we say, you called me out or you put me on the spot? Instead, if you pitch that question in such a way that you let that person know that you're inviting them in, it's going to be a safe space for sure.
0: Got it. And by the way, Mary, I mentioned this in another program, that the New York Times back on April 9th, uh, the business section wrote, how to... Stamp out meetings that go on and on and on and on. That's the article. Check it out. It'll be on our website as well. All right, Mary, ready? This is the third tip. Limit the time of the meeting. My argument, 30 minutes or less. Beyond that, phones, attention span, text messages, calling people, emailing people. They're distracted. Limit the time, Mary, you say.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And often even 15 minutes will do the trick, right? Most of our meetings, it's for a quick touch base. It's for a quick update. Do not have a meeting if it's something where you could have just sent an email. If it's that short of an update, don't even have that meeting. So yes, you want to limit the time. And also it holds us accountable, right? If you go into a meeting with no ending, no, if you leave it totally open-ended, you may just get off off track. And then, as you said, you're going to lose people, and time is valuable for these uh, people on your team.
0: Mary, if we limit, Mary knows this because we've been living together with this stuff for over two decades. If you limit the time of the meeting, what would be the fourth lessons in leadership tip? I put you on the spot. If you limit the time, you limit the.
3: If I don't know this answer, <laughs> I feel like I need a little buzzer. You limit the number of people that are in that meeting. So, We and even we were at fault at the beginning of the pandemic. And one of our previous guests, Tom Ayadanza, had said this uh, president of Valley Valley National Bank. Bank. Yeah, he had actually said it. He said in the beginning of the pandemic, because Zoom was so, quote unquote, easy for everyone to just, oh, let's just have everybody in on the meeting. If you get upwards of 20, 30, 50, 100 people on a meeting, number one, and number two, if those cameras are off they're not really in the meeting. They're not engaged in the meeting. So unless there's something for those people to learn from the meeting and, or even better yet, participate in the meeting, however big or small, they probably don't need to be in that meeting. So take a pause before you send that invite and don't just invite everybody on your team. Really be strategic about who you have in that meeting.
0: All right. So, so far we have You have to have one meeting leader who's trained to facilitate and engage others. Two, you need to force engagement by asking specific questions of specific people. Three, you need to limit the amount of time of the meeting, limit the number of participants. Uh, How about this one? Number five, cameras on. Now, you may say three years plus into the pandemic. What are you talking about? We're all in person. No, we're not. Some of the people are in the office. Some of the people are remote. Now cameras on. So if I said we needed Elvin our director, to be on camera, right? He was saying he's not going on camera today because he had certain issues he didn't want to be seen. He he didn't have his makeup artist in or something this morning. But the point I'm making is that if Elvin had to be in a meeting, we would need Elvin to be in the meeting in person. Mm -hmm. Frank Brown, did I I mention Frank before? I better have. Frank, our our great audio engineer. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do Frank, Elvin, and others who need to be in the meeting, why do they need to be on camera versus, hey, I'm on my phone.
3: Yep, yep. You gave the greatest story, and I use it all the time in the coaching that I do as well and in our seminars. You would never be physically in the office where the entire team is in one side of the office and you're on the other side of that door, door closed, screaming from the outside of the office, right? You would never do that. So really, it's the equivalent of literally being on the other side of that door while your teammate is on the flip side. So you have to be in there.
0: Mary, I'm sorry. Elvin, not on camera, just participated in the chat. Technology is awesome. You get get engagement even when they're not on camera. (laughs) Elvin said, because people don't pay attention when their cameras are Mary, Alvin's oh, a exactly. percent right. It's an invitation
3: to check out. Yeah, and you're also, I don't pay attention half the time if I'm in a meeting that I shouldn't be in, which is never our meetings, of course, but we've been in meetings with clients and I'm sending Steve emails and then he'll text me. He's like, why are you sending me emails? I'm like, because this meeting is horrible. That's why I'm sending you emails. We all multitask, right? In today's day and age, we're able to do maybe three or four different things. If you're doing three or four different things, you're not doing any of them well. You're Sure, you're getting them done, you're checking off the box, but in order to truly be present and be an active participant in that meeting, camera's on.
0: I think this is numbers. I think it's six. I lost yeah, count. Yeah, we don't have to number them. Okay, how about this one? Mary, Mary came up with this one, so I'm gonna hand the ball to her on this. <sighs> so many meetings. And again, our, our work at Lessons, and I stand and deliver our Lessons in Leadership Seminar Series. Half of my clients, if not more, tell me, I've got a PowerPoint. I know, but you're in a meeting with, for, you got 10 different PowerPoints. I know, but I have to have PowerPoint. I said, yeah, but if you have PowerPoint, and, and April has PowerPoint, and Scarlett has PowerPoint, and Elvin and Frank has PowerPoint, now I'm the fifth PowerPoint, mm-hmm. and we expect people to pay attention. What is the tip that we're asking Sylvester to put in there about PowerPoint? Because we're not banning it. We don't say it shouldn't be used. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah.
3: If you need a visual, and I say a visual, not a whole bunch of words. If you have a PowerPoint up with a whole bunch of words, and even worse, we've all been there when someone is reading the PowerPoint verbatim and you're reading it along with them, or most of us have read because you can read faster than you speak. People have already read it. So what you want to make sure is if a visual is going to help to bring to life, if you're talking about a food pantry a or picture. a food desert, pictures are great, charts are fantastic. How about a video of something a that brings A Video is amazing, but words on screen, jumbling on a whole bunch of little words on screen. So if you are going to use technology, make sure that it enhances what you're saying and the message that you want to get across. It should not take away from that message.
0: Elvin, since you're talking to us remotely. Tell us how much time, because it's, it's been saying four minutes for three minutes. It's been saying four minutes left. Well, uh, You're laughing, Scarlett. The
3: last one is so important. Please let me say this one. Do not it, end the you're meeting. Asking
0: me. I'm, I work for you. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. Do not end a meeting without agreeing on exactly what is going to be done. In other words, who is going to do what by when. Too many meetings end, and it's just like, great, have a good day, everybody. Nobody knows who's following up on this project. Who's going to do this by when? Who's going to report by when? And we hear that all the time. It is such a basic, basic concept: who is going to do what by when? And that is the meeting facilitator. Again, we talked about that at the beginning of this. That quarterback needs to either a assign, b ask for volunteers, and then make sure that it is agreed upon of who's doing what by when.
0: So, under I believe that is because I'm into branding. Follow up and follow through with deadlines how about this one for the last one i got 60 seconds left mary does this after every meeting she doesn't need coaching she doesn't need direction send an email with the key items discussed and the actions to be taken that's not simply ending the meeting by verbally saying who's going to do what by one but mary real quick 30 seconds left why, do you, why are you obsessed about that email that comes out after every meeting?
3: <laughs> well, I wish could, I could say it was for other reasons, but it's because we all forget, right? You're in that meeting, you've moved on to the next meeting, you're going to forget. So then you have a paper trail to say, wait a second, what did we agree to? Boom, go back to that email, go back to that item. Because if not, you don't have a paper trail. So it's a, just a great way to go back and double check yourself.
0: You know what, Mary? First of all, Mary had somewhere in her checklist, let's do this, uh, why our meetings stink. I think it's called, uh, oh no, not another oh, meeting. Oh
3: no, not another meeting.
0: She had it in the notes for a long time to do. You know, remember the guy on PBS for years that would paint the clouds, Ross, Bob? was it Bob Ross? Oh,
3: Bob Ross, yes. Happy this little is. trees, happy little clouds, yeah.
0: Enough of that, Mary. We are the Bob Ross of leadership. We paint. Ooh,
3: drop that mic, mic drop.
0: <laughs> we paint vivid cloud pictures of leadership. <laughs> See you next time. Ow, I just hurt myself. See you next time. <laughs> this edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Helix, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856.
3: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com.
0: Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by nj.com. NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIA NJ and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network.
2: the Seton Hall story, one that comes to life every day on our campus. This is the place where great minds discover, innovate, collaborate, and find their true calling. This is the place where passion has a purpose, where learning inspires leading. The bonds we make, the values we teach, inspire our community to take heart and take action. This is Seton Hall University. This is what great minds can do.
4: Construction companies work at the heart of our communities. So do the operating engineers of Local 825, who build our roads and bridges and ensure the safe transmission of energy that keeps us on the move. Local 825 works with contractors as partners in quality, safety, and training. Our achievements stand as monuments to collaboration that will last for generations. This message has been brought to you by the members of Operating Engineers Local 825. Better building begins here.
2: Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia. More than water. Resourcing the world.